Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Kurt. We are in the midst of what has been, for me, a roller coaster of a first round of playoffs. I mean, everything that I thought was going to happen didn't happen. People got injured. I mean, but before we get there, how are you doing? Because right now, I need I need some help. <laughs> I, need, I need some help. Yeah, hey, I, I hear spring is uh, hit New York City. Everything's pretty good on my end. It's it's uh, we are. Hey, look, it's playoff basketball. I spent a lot of the week last weekend at the Staples Center, including. 14 hours on Saturday. Um, but that's the fun time. This is the, when the games matter and there's intensity and, and all the media are there. It's not just the local guys, but like, you know, national guys are dropping in. So it's, Hey, this is the fun time of year. When you're watching the crazy thing to me is that like, you're, we're still watching history be made by LeBron, like his first 2020 game. And like, to think that there are yes. still first out there for LeBron after his storied career is actually pretty amazing. What, what was that atmosphere like at Staples in the playoffs? Can you just paint a picture for me? Well, if, for the Lakers in particular, who, you know, by the time the Clippers got back home and they were without Paul George, there were, I mean, without, well, they were without Paul George, but then without Kawhi Leonard by game three, look, they played hard. I, I We'll talk more about them down the line, but like the energy had been sucked out of the building because everybody kind of knew where things were headed. Then the Lakers come in and you kind of forget it's their first home playoff game in front of a full crowd in a decade because they won the title in the bubble they had yeah. some playoff games the next year but that was still post-covid a third of the crowd half crowd like they couldn't fill the building so it wasn't the same energy the energy was off the charts and then like you said lebron and anthony davis feed off this the, the anthony awesome reeves is having a great time but the way lebron at the end of the day we're like oh this is going to be anthony davis's team he's got to play well monday night when they have to get a win, it's LeBron James driving right. The best shot blocker in the game's coming over to swat that ball into the third row. And he takes it, I mean, off the top of the glass, basically, and, and down in it. His performance, the, that 2020 game was just otherworldly on Monday night. Just the, yeah. It was an otherworldly game for anybody, let alone a guy in season 20. I know. That's the thing that's really amazing to me about the playoffs is that, yes, playoffs are all about matchups. You know, so anyone at home taking notes, that's the number yeah. one thing that's important. Matchups, 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 because you got to beat the team four times. But then at a certain point, you know, after the first couple of games, and plus you've seen this team throughout the season, right? But then after a certain point, like players got to play. You realize, you know what they're going to do. You know the adjustments. You know the counters to the counters, right? 
and there's no more <laughs> new wrinkles, regardless of what you know Coach Tyloo was saying with the wrinkles, right? There's like no more new wrinkles you could do at Game Five or Game Six in the NBA yeah. playoffs. At, at a certain point, your players have to take over, and LeBron, like that's what that's why it's like the most fun to watch playoff basketball because at that critical moment, you find out who the stars are. Yeah, and by the way, among the stars, as, as great as LeBron has played, as great as, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Jalen Brunson, you know the best player in the postseason has been Jimmy Bleepin' Butler has, Jimmy been, Butler has been unbelievable. Yeah, been, he has been. I mean, because remember this, let's just back up really quick. This Heat team all season long, one foot forward, one foot back, you know, like we didn't yep. know what we, but we knew the core of the Heat team was there. We knew the DNA championship culture was there. So we, we weren't necessarily concerned about the composition of the Heat, but we were worried about execution. Oladipo goes down again, really, first of all, wow. Oh. His, his, I mean, Kurt, his career has just, been just sidelined over and over and over again. So my heart goes out to him. That's oh, I felt so bad. You could see, by the way, you see the reaction of the team? Like, they knew it was bad, and they're, like, heads in the towels down about this because they love that guy. Yeah, so to, to, for that, to see that and then to bounce back the way they have, you know, I know Giannis missed, you know, some time because of the, the um, uh, bruise or the sprain right in his back. Um, he had that back issue. But still, yeah. I mean, to be the number one seed, you have to take care of business. The fact that the, the Miami Heat chose now – and he, let's even go back a little further. Remember the Bulls series? We, you said, like, that matchup against the Chicago Bulls, they've had yeah. that number all year long. Well, and, but the Bulls, the Bulls were up in the fourth quarter by double digits, and the Heat have this playoff gear that they get into, right? Like, they just can find one more gear, and sometimes it's Jimmy Butler going off for 56, but – Kyle Lowry has had big games in the postseason, and Duncan Robinson is coming out. Duncan Robinson, who was lost all year, is come out of the wilderness and is draining threes again. Like it's amazing how that team came together. And they did the same thing on this one too. Down double digits, yeah. fourth quarter. Yep. Jimmy Butler just goes on a tear, and so I think. Oh, and I also forgot to mention. So in addition to Oladipo going down, Tyler Hero out, you know, with a broken hand through the finals. So now we're thinking, okay, like even if best case scenario, this team should not be where they are, right? I mean, like, I mean, yeah. it's just impossible for them to be able to be in a position to to take out Giannis and and company. Uh, that that to me was like, I mean, that's Herculean. This effort. I once again, is it sustainable? Let's not talk about that question. You know, I don't think it's necessarily yeah. sustainable, but man, I mean, they proved me wrong in the play and they proved me wrong in the first round. So hats off to Miami. Yeah. And uh, I think, though, they've got to win one of the next two. They do not want to get into a game seven. Oh, yeah. No way. Back in Milwaukee. So, no, yeah. I think right now you're, you're, you're absolutely right, Kurt. I, I think, but I mean, but the way this series has gone, I mean, <laughs> to come out of a 3 1 hole like that, I just think it's oh very gosh. for Milwaukee. It's, it is, and I think those three-one holes. I, I look. I think same for the Grizzlies. I just don't know how they, especially with again, we could talk about it. If they had Stephen Adams in this series, it'd be I'd feel differently. But they just they can't stop the Lakers inside right now. The other three-one series, though, the New York Knicks producer Dan is is on cloud nine, man. Yeah, yeah. This is also shocking to me because on paper. We talk about this all uh, yeah. well. I mean, on paper, this is why they have to play the game. You know, Vegas is, you know, up in arms, I suppose. I don't know. But on paper, the Cleveland Cavaliers are a better team, you know, in my mind. Mm-hmm. And, and on paper, absolutely, they 
should be <laughs> this should not be possible. And yet, and that those by the way, Kurt, I don't know if you know this about me. You know I love words. My two favorite words in the English language. And yet, because despite everything, despite all yeah. those, you know, advantages, here we are. The yeah. impossible happened and the Knicks are about to close up the caps. Is this a new era in New York? I think it's the start of something. I, I, ultimately, I think they're one superstar away from truly contending. But what they've done this series, first off, I kept saying going into the series, the Cavaliers would win because they have the best player in the series. They yeah. have Donovan Mitchell. I don't even think he's even been the best player on his own team. I, I've been a little disappointed. Donovan Mitchell, and by the way, he can do it. We're talking about Jimmy Butler's 56, and every and, and everybody – Everybody's like putting up the graphic of guys who have scored 56 or more in the playoffs. Yeah, Donovan up. Mitchell's on that list. Yeah, yeah, he's, I mean, um, he's capable of it. He hasn't this series. He has really struggled. Jalen Brunson, this is the second year in a row. He's just outplayed Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs, just flat out outplayed him. But the other thing I thought, man, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley up front are going to dominate. They are going to yeah. control the paint. The, the Cavaliers are going to have the inside game. Mitchell Robinson has outplayed both of them. And I think part, this gets to the heart of what, if I were a Cavs fan, would bother me. They're getting outworked. The Knicks are flat out playing a little bit smarter, but a whole lot harder. They're mm-hmm. just, I, maybe we see that finally, uh, you know, we're recording this just before uh, the, the game five, maybe back home with their season on the line, we get a desperate Cavaliers team. But have I, they just haven't felt – the Knicks have played with genuine urgency every night, and I haven't felt that from the Cavs. Yeah, I think with – yeah, my assessment on, on Donovan Mitchell is, yeah, I, I agree. I, before this series, you know, I told you, Kurt, I was like, I know he can do it, but you got to prove it. You know, to me, yeah. I, you know, if you, you want to be a guy who, you know, scores – like yeah, he scored 71 points a game and, you know, all this stuff and – do you want to be one of the franchise guys and be a, a legitimate uh, star and take this Cavaliers team to the next level? Um, you got to prove it when, it when it matters. And he wasn't able to do that in Utah. And now, you know, clearly not able to do it in this series. So that to me has been very disappointing. Obviously, it's early in his tenure in Cleveland, but still, I think the rest of the team, I agree with you. I, I was expecting more. I was expecting more of a, of a, not necessarily a fight, but just kind of more maturity. And I think we're just seeing that Cleveland's young, and, yeah. and it's just like, and it, it, and it's not like New York's much older. <laughs> you know, I want to make sure no. that's very clear. It's not like New York's much older, but the way they play, you know, and especially with their experience last year, just seems like this New York team. They knew what they had. They went to the playoffs, got a taste of that, and then they added in Jalen Brunson, who took them to another level. I agree yeah. with you. I don't think they're at contender level yet, but you're talking winning a playoff series or two consistently yeah. in New York City. That is a huge improvement. And I think it goes back to Leon Rose and, you know, them actually thinking, yeah. let's build something. And then once we get to a level of, like, we're consistently winning one or two playoff series, now it's the time to get someone of, like, a, you know, Kevin Durant caliber. You know, like someone like a super, superstar, yeah. or you get through the draft. But, like, you know, in my mind, like, that is kind of the way to go is, you know, you build it first and then you bring in someone via free agency. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who they get. But they are well-positioned to go after that person in terms of draft picks, in terms of, of players, you know, quickly status is a lot higher now. You might be able to move him. So it's, you know, they'll get there, but 
if you're a, if you're Dan and you're a, or any other Knicks fan, you're suddenly looking at the road ahead and thinking, well, now we got we don't have to face Milwaukee. Yeah, we're going to get I mean, Miami, and yeah. suddenly in their minds, and and Jimmy Butler might have other thoughts here. Their minds like we're suddenly in the conference finals, and hey, did you watch the last three minutes of that Celtics falling apart? Like Knicks fans are already like way down the road. Yeah, slow um, down, slow down, yeah. New York. By the way, Corey, did you watch Trey Young and the last few minutes of that Celtics game? Once again, shocking. Oh, like this first yes. roster, that's the only word I could think of. Because, I mean, we know how good the Celtics team is. We, you know, we, yeah. we know. And to think they've been there, they've done that. You know you have one of the best three-point shooters in the game right now. You know this is what he makes his money off of, being clutch. You know, he even has a celebration. Like, it's like – like him and Damian Lillard both have like this is like what they do, right? Yeah. And the thing that you would allow him to get that get that opportunity to get that shot off at that moment and extend the series to me that showed, you know, a lack of that killer instinct from Boston, which I was not expecting. You know, I was not expecting going to the end of that fourth quarter, I was like, okay, this is wrapped up, done and done and dusted. <sighs> Jay, I thought all game long to a degree, they just kind of I'm, I'm going to get this quote right, unlike Doc Rivers. They played with their food. They just kind of messed around with it, and they didn't finish it, right? They didn't go out there and just like, hey, let's get up by 30 and just make this thing over. They kind of played around, and you, they got in trouble for it. Um, and then they really, as much as, I look, Trey Young's shot was incredible, and I don't want to take anything away from the effort the Hawks put out. The turnovers, the sloppy play by Boston, the defensive miscues down the stretch – we're kind of stunning. And then, like you said, they're going into that last play. I'm going to do what the Warriors did to the – and we'll talk about that series in a second. What the Warriors did with De'Aaron Fox, final play, like the last game, you don't get to take that shot. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put Draymond and Steph are going to crowd you as high as we can. Harrison Barnes gets a clean look at a three, and they'll live with that because you can't let De'Aaron Fox take that shot. You can't let Trey Young take that shot. If Clint Capella beats you, Clint Capella beats you. Don't let Trey Young take the shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I agree. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And, you know, even with Minnesota, it was the same kind of concept. We were, it was the last play. 
Anthony Edwards, you know, I, I don't really think it was a very clean look, but I, I will say there's this, um, that game, Alexander Walker, all game long, like he's been hitting clutch shots over and over and over again. And I was thinking, if I was in the huddle drawing this up, I have one shot coming out of a timeout to win it. We need a three. You know, like what worked like a couple of possessions before? Anthony Edwards driving, suck up, you know, all the attention in the paint and, you know, find the outlet guy, which yeah. is Alexander Walker in the corner, knock down the three. We saw that happen like over and over and over again and it extended, you know, the, the life and against the yeah. Denver Nuggets. And then what did they do? They had, they, they completely went went away from that, and I was thinking, don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like you have three seconds, you can catch, dribble, dribble, pass. You know, like shoot, you have plenty of time. But whatever, you know, it's. it's but anyways, yeah, you're right. The last second shot. I mean, it's like you could you could you could kind of go over and over and in your mind and and pick that apart and kill yourself <laughs> trying to figure yeah. out all the what ifs. Oh my goodness. Minnesota becomes to me one of the more interesting off seasons just because what's become obvious over the course of the season. And then especially I think the playoffs sometimes just crystallize what we know about a team. And I think it did. This is Anthony Edwards team. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and now you've got to start figuring out how you work around that. And it's led to, you know, we'll save the trade speculation for another day, but it's, it's led to a lot of people around the league wondering if they've got to trade Carl Anthony towns because they can't trade Rudy Gobert. Like you just, that's and so now you're stuck. So how do you make this work? It's it's just led to a lot of speculation. We'll see what direction they go. But you're building this thing around Edwards now. You no, have absolutely. to. But you got to be Denver. Careful. Yeah, you got to be careful Denver. though, Kurt. Because I think Anthony Edwards is still. I mean, remember right after the shot, he just went straight into the locker room. Yeah. Like it didn't. I mean, no sportsmanship. You know, no. Like I mean, I understand he's got eliminated. But uh, so in my in my mind. When we one thing that I would be very weary of as an NBA franchise, and we've seen this over and over again, particularly in Atlanta with Trey Young, is if you build a team around a very very young superstar, given the reins too early, you end up having a volatile emotional yeah. team. So I understand the the desire to maybe keep Carl Anthony Towns a little longer because you know he's been through the ringer a little bit. You know he, he he's yeah. experienced kind of the, the whole media you know gauntlet. And he's he's older in the NBA, is you know as far as franchise superstars are concerned. So, for him to kind of like bring Anthony Edwards along just a couple more years before them giving the the reins to him, I think would be a wise decision. Because right now, the way I, I do think Edwards is starting to become more stable, but he's still like an unstable electron to me. He kind of like buzzes around and he makes incredible plays, sixteen in the first half, and then like goes quiet in the second. Like yeah. emotional here, you know, stable there. Like I, I need a more stoic overall kind of consistent performance from him before I give him the reins. By the way, the other thing out of that, Denver looks maybe the best team in the West right now. Yeah, no, yeah Denver we'll looks really good. I mean, yeah. everyone's stepping up, Kurt. Like Michael Porter yeah. Jr., like he hits shots when you need him. Nothing all game long. Fourth quarter, I'll give you what you need. Obviously, with Jokic, it's unbelievable. Jamal yeah. Murray hitting that next level that we know. We, we know he can do it. And now he's showing it. Yeah, I really like Denver. Denver's healthy. But I think the other thing that was impressive about this first round, they won the non-Jokic minutes. Um, when he was off the court, and I, don't, I didn't factor in the last game, but going into that game, for, through the first um, four games, they were plus 27 in the minutes Jokic was off the floor. And that was always their death, right? Like they, they were up 13 in the minutes he played, and in the nine minutes he sat today, they were minus 18 and lost the game. When they were, If they can consistently – win or break even in the non-Jokic minutes, they, they might be the best team in the West. 
Um, but what do you think about the Warriors and Kings? Though I'm curious about this. That's we, the, we mentioned that's, it briefly. Yeah, that's the best series in the in going right now, isn't it? I, to yeah. me, because to me it is because they're just so even. And look, it's two two, but and there's a bunch of Warriors fans out there like, oh, if, if Andrew Wiggins had hit that shot in Game One, that three late in Game One, we'd be up three to one in this series. And then there's Kings fans like if Harrison Barnes knocks down that, which would have been poetic. If Harrison Barnes knocks down that three at the end of of uh, game four, we're up 3-1. Like this series is so evenly matched. Um, I just hope, and I think this is the big question now, isn't it? I hope De'Aaron Fox can play through the finger. Like yeah, that's, his finger. Yeah. He said he's yeah. going to play, you know, but we, we all know about, yeah. I, yeah. I've you could, it's, enough. it's. Yeah, it's for 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 the medical fans out there. It's an avulsion fracture, which is something. Um, just it just means that the, when the muscle pulled away from the bone a little bit, it took a little bit of bone with him. With it, it's it's something. It's painful, but it's something like Kobe and others have played through. Now, Kobe's probably a bad example because Kobe would have like played through a torn Achilles for a minute if he could have. Like, uh, but it's a question of touch on his shot. Of, of handles is is that all the same because he's been so good this series and they have done a good job with Draymond Green and Kevon Looney of keeping Sabonis in check and Sabonis has I think got to step got to find a way to get some space and step up and carry a little more load doesn't he yeah I mean uh, this is what I'm saying Kurt it's just like this is my question this was my question with the Kings all season long is when you get to this moment, you know, can you can you be consistent at a high level over and over and over again against these teams like the Warriors who have championship DNA and they know what it takes? Although I do think the Warriors have lost a step, it's clear I think. Um, but you know, Steph Curry's still Steph Curry, and he's still in his early thirties. You know, and, yeah. and they know what it takes to get there. I and the, the problem with the Kings is I remember there's one there was a Mike Brown was talking to his guys in the huddle one time, and it's like it's on us. Like we get to decide if we want to win or lose. You know. And yeah. those are those are conversations that would never happen on the Warriors bench because they know, you know, like they yeah. know what it's like yeah. basketball. So I think that's my that was my biggest thing. So when you have adversity like this, there's a, you know, like a little left turn that you didn't expect. Oh, dead in on that road. We got to find another way to get to the destination. One of your best players cracks your finger. Finger. Yeah. Can this Kings team respond? And I, in the playoff atmosphere, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think, I don't think so. Uh, we'll see. I, I they they've impressed me through two games, um, and really, I think they're really they, good. Stuff, yeah, but at the same time, too, I'm like, you don't want to give the Warriors hope. No, no, that's 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 the risk. And and as much as you know, look, they almost won Game One on the road, and they're the Warriors. You, you, the, we haven't seen a big Clay Thompson game yet, right? Like, there's just there's but weapons you know still out there for them. But you know, it's coming. That's the that's the thing yeah. about the Warriors that I know they have bullets in the chambers. Like I know that they have extra bullets coming, and the the Kings, I just don't know if they shot all the the, the bullets early. You know, I just don't know. And so that's that's the thing about playoff basketball to me. I'm like, well, do you still have extra ammo? All right, one one other playoff question: You impressed with the Philadelphia 76ers, or do they just take care of business against a lesser team? I'm impressed with them, yeah, because I think ultimately, talk about playing with your food. I think the 76ers yeah. can be guilty of that at times, right? Like they have so much talent. To me, just take care of business, move on, give your guys time to rest. 
you know? So the fact that they were able to do that, and remember this Nets team mid-season, I know they made some changes all over the place, actually. <laughs> but but, yeah. but this young team, like, they, they had Bridges and Johnson. They kind of brought a little bit of swagger, and we've seen them upset, you know, different teams throughout the season. So for them to just say, hey, none of that is happening. We're the top yeah. dogs. I, I thought that was very mature, and I have not used the word mature and Philadelphia in the same sentence in, you know, NBA talk for ever. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. And by the way, nobody might have been happier with Trey Young's uh, game winner than Joel Embiid, who gets a couple more days to rest his sprained knee until he has to get back out there. So he'll take all the extra days he can get. There's a there, all the long breaks he can get with this, uh, just trying to get back. Cause they, I, let's be honest, uh, assuming they go up against Boston, which I think is safe. They're going to need MVP Joel Embiid to survive that. They, he, he can't be 85% of Joel Embiid. Yeah, certainly. So I think it's time we I think it's time we moved on to Corey's jukebox this week. Where where are we going, Corey? We're going down to uh, Mexico. Well, I, te- I guess I'm, technically it's Texas, but uh, they're, we're they're have, adjacent. Yeah, <laughs> I'm bringing in uh, the king of country music, George Strait. So um, I want to talk about Kawhi Leonard, and I want to be very. So I don't know if you love country music. I just now started to really appreciate country music because I believe it's the rom-com genre of music. You know, I like, it's like the rom-com of music. It plays in every scenario and it's the whole spectrum of human emotion. So I am like really enjoy listening to George Strait. There's a song called the old, the seashores of old Mexico. And uh, it talks about this guy who's running from the law in Tucson goes down to Mexico and, you know, goes on all these adventures and stuff. And I, I do feel like that is a little bit of Kawhi Leonard here. You know, I, I do feel like that because Kawhi, man, every single time we know what he can do. He's a Hall of Famer. He's unbelievable. He's one of the best players I've ever seen at, you know, at the NBA. He is undoubtedly a game changer. However, you know, his time in L.A. has been such where I feel like it's almost like running away from the law a little bit. <laughs> you know, yeah. conversations of load management, conversations of, you know, do you really want to play? His coach has to defend his desire to play. And, you know, and then, you know, this is even the conversation member in San Antonio when he was sitting out. Oh, yeah. So this is not a this is not a new conversation. And then even the way he left Toronto was like, why did he leave? You know, and then so this, this has kind of been like a recurring thing the past few years. I feel like he's kind of been I don't want to say an outlaw. But I do feel like, you know, close to like an outlaw in basketball terms. And uh, and it, and right now getting injured with the meniscus again, you know, yeah. and he knows how long he's going to be out. And we know he's not going to rush back, you know, g- given his medical history and given what he's uh, done in the past. He's going to take his sweet time. I feel like this is going to be another issue where it's like, where is Kawhi? I think he's laying low until everything blows over in Mexico. I, it's unclear. Uh, I'm just saying, this, uh, this, the song kind of covers the guy just hey, – Basically, yeah, yeah. Nejo, basically. Like, hey, you know, I'm in trouble with the law in Tucson. So he's like, I'm just going to go over to the seashores of old Mexico until this all blows over. Uh, yeah, I, it's interesting. And I, I think part of Kurt's Corner, I wanted to talk about the Clippers as I posted about them this morning at the NBCSports.com. There, um, there was whispers Ty Lu wanted out. Uh, he was – somebody asked him directly at the end of the – of his press conference yesterday, he said, yes, sir, I'll be back, basically, was, was the response. So he wants to be back. Russell Westbrook wants to be back. But they are a team where that new CBA really starts to impact. They, they and the Warriors can't live the way they've been living. 
right? Like they can't live $40 million. They, the Clipper payroll next year is on pace to be the highest in, in NBA history at well over $200 million. Um, if they can't live there because all the restrictions on team building, you lose your mid-levels, you can't use the buyout market, you can't trade certain picks. There's, there's a whole range of restrictions that start to phase in over a couple of years. But I think, I guess then that's where I am with, with Kawhi and the Clippers, Corey. Are, if, you're the, if, you're, if you're Steve Ballmer, so you're a little more money than you have right now. If you're Steve Ballmer, do you run it back? Or do you decide no. it's time to, to no, change no, course? No, no, no. I think I always, I always, you know, advocate for patience because it's so rare in sports. And I think that the Clippers, to their credit, has, and they've shown tremendous patience, right? I mean, they they paid a ton of money yeah. for these guys. They built out a roster, and I thought they did a pretty good job of being, putting together a supporting cast. It's not like you oh, know, yeah. it's not like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George didn't have a team, you know? No. So, so like, I think they did a very good job of giving them every resource, except for a new, brand new stadium, right? Every resource, which is coming. Yeah, but every resource they need to be successful, and yet, and once again, back to those two words, my favorite words: every resource available, and yet this has been the result, completely lackluster for not one year, not two years. I mean, years. This is like since like three plus years now, four years. I mean, this is this is one of those things where it's like, okay, I mean, and and this is like in sports terms. Four years is like dog years. That's like 20-something years. That's a lifetime. Yeah. You know, that, so I, I think it's time to walk away and just say, let's just cut our losses. And, you know, we gave it a real shot. Like, there, no one can say that, you know, the Clippers yeah. didn't give them every opportunity to be successful. <laughs> this is on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, certainly. I'll tell you, Corey, talking to people around the league, the, the expectation is they're going to run it back. And I asked – the funny thing is – then. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both have one fully guaranteed year than player options after this year. So they're extension eligible. And I asked somebody who worked for a team like, well, would you extend him? Would you extend Kawhi Leonard? And and the response was, yeah, probably I'd add a year because the potential is so great that I would He's do it. So and good. I'm like, really? You would pay him and you, you'd basically guarantee the, the, the player option year and add a third year to that. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, I, I was stunned. But I'm telling you that that seems to be the thinking. So I, I know, I, but like I said, I, I think I disagree. I, I mean, I, 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 generally yeah. speaking, I you know I, I come from the San Antonio Spurs you know idea of school of thought. I understand that you know the older I get, I just realize how rare that Spurs kind of like alignment was, and the and the Spurs you know like oh, yeah. was, and that I think that's also one of the reasons why they were so dominant for so long. And I also realize now as I get older why so many teams make so many mistakes, you know, because, you know, there's just so much temptation. And, and, I, and I think really, like, he's so good. But look at the past four years. Like, you have to, you have to move on. Like, and he just got injured again. You might, be, you might be bankrolling just another year of rehab. Uh, to me, this doesn't make any sense. I, I, I disagree with, you know, the vast majority of professionals in this game. I'm, 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 sense. I, I'm kind of with you on this one. I, I'm – I, I would look at the future and think uh, if you start now and you're opening your new building in the fall of 25, you're not, you can have a really good team by then. That's you can shift this into some other morph this into some other very good version of itself. So you're opening your building with a good team, but uh, we'll see. I, I, yeah, I, before we go there, I think, I think <clears throat> I want to just mention this. I do think there is some, um, 
some memory here that is haunting you know the Clippers because remember the way that they moved on from Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin. Yeah, you know I do think there is this element of like if we can just hold it together a little longer, what if? You know, so I do I do think that there is that still in people's minds, but I, I disagree. You know, I, I I disagree. I think they should move on. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up in Kurt's corner for sure is. Corey, and I, I know you and I are uncomfortable talking about this to a degree, but the officiating has become – it, it kind of always becomes a topic during the playoffs. But this year, in particular, with the ejection and suspension of Draymond Green, with um, – I, I, I've written more euphemisms for the word groin than I, I – like, I've had to pull up a thesaurus of, of euphemisms for, for, the, for the number of, of shots there this year um, and ejections. And it's – I think what – what bothers was well, a couple things that bother players, but one of them in particular is just, I kind of agree with on this. It feels like the league and the refs have been inconsistent as to what's the line on a technical, what's the line on a flagrant, what's gets you ejected and what doesn't. There's some stuff that's clear. Dejounte Murray deserved to be suspended. You can't, I don't care how frustrated you are. And I thought he had some valid points about conversations with referees and not having interaction with them. You can't bump the guy and yell at him. You just can't, right? But it is – is it just me that feels like the line isn't steady this year? No, I don't think it's just you. But I will say, you know, like you know, we, we have this conversation, you know, like, like you said, you know, it seems like in the playoffs you never want the officiating to determine the outcome of the game, right? Yeah. I think that's kind of the, the crux of the argument here. Um, you want players to decide. And it doesn't necessarily feel like, you know, in this instance that the players are deciding the games because, you know, DeJounte Murray's not out there or Draymond Green isn't out there. So I, I do I do see what you're saying there. Um, but I do think we kind of forget quite often, you know, like just, you know, like last year was so long ago. Do you like, you were like, oh, I forgot about those calls or I forgot about that, you know, the way they called that yeah. game. So I do want to give the referees a little bit of grace in that regard. I, I look, it is. Well, I think professional sports in general, but basketball in particular, I think it's really hard to referee um, these incredible athletes moving at this incredible pace and what's clean and what's not. It's, you know, it's, I, this was true in, it's true in football. If, if what's a pass interference way downfield when you're running at full speed is not always, sometimes it's really obvious and sometimes it's, it's not right. Yeah. I think that the, I think the NBA. Of course, you were, I mean, you would have caught all the passes had they not interfered with you. Let's let's be clear. But in general, <laughs> I think the NBA uh, will probably. Um, I feel like though, I'd be. I'm actually, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. So, moving into the the, the second round and beyond, do you think they'll overcorrect? And like, what do you think the way the reaction from the league office? I think a you get less, you weed out. I mean, fewer games, fewer officials, so you're getting in in theory, the best of the officials, which will, will, which always freaks fans out because they're like, well, that means more Scott Foster? But yes, more Scott Foster. Uh, more of the guys who grade out well. But I think you get these more veteran officials that tend to draw the line more consistently and also allow, which I, I this was something DeJounte Murray, I'd, I'd be curious what you thought about this. I thought his point was, this referee won't talk to me. I've gone up to him and tried to say politely, like, hey, how do we have this conversation? How, how, do, how do I, what was I called for? How do I avoid doing this in the future? How do my teammates and I do this? 
and they get a lot of like, I'm not talking to you about this. And finding the referees who can have that dialogue, I think helps to a degree, who can define what they're seeing and admit that sometimes they missed what they saw, right? Like what you thought you saw wasn't reality. But I think you get better at that, you go along. So I don't think there's going to be an overcorrection. I think, though, you look the deeper you go in the playoffs, Corey, the more they let them play, the, the more physical it's allowed to be. Yeah, and I, and I think there, you know, there are some voices lobbying, right? I think didn't Coach Doc Rivers talk about, you know, the, the star players being tested more because, you know, other players, like it's more of a re- retaliate, uh, yeah. retaliatory, you know, and and uh, so I, I do think that's an interesting argument. Um, but from my perspective, you know, like if you're a star player, you know, you, you have to, I think, yes, you protect your star players because they're the thing that, you know, they're the people that yeah. sell tickets and, and the deals. But I do think you also realize that it's unlikely that you're going to get benefit of the of the doubt in the playoffs. Uh, you know, like, yeah. like I remember, well, I'm not going to give any examples, but, you know, it's just kind of, it's, I think that's kind of like just part of being a star player. And, um, you know, I'll give you an interesting kind of, I remember when Jokic, he had that triple-double, right, the finish, because I, I just watched the game last night, it's on, it's on my mind. When he had that triple-double, I think he only made eight shots. And he had 20, yeah, he had like a 30-point triple-double, only made eight shots. He shot like upwards of 30, right? But you think, well, doing the math, how did he get that many points? It's like, well, he went to the free-throw line a ton of times, right? So I could understand, like, if you're looking at a championship-caliber team, and you want Jamal Murray to have, you know, 16 in the first half and Michael Porter Jr. to have double digits and Jokic to have a 30-point triple-double, you know, it's, it's not all going to be necessarily shots. You know, someone's going to have to go to the line and Jokic is going to have to get those calls. So I do think I could understand the star player's frustration in that regard. Uh, but I think at the same time, it's like, hey, look, you know, you're, you're Jokic, you're back-to-back MVP, you're not going to get that call. You know, you're not, you're not going to have to play through it. No, I, I – this – those star players also tend to, I mean, Giannis goes to the line a lot because Giannis plays downhill and makes you foul him. Um, yeah. And Jokic does that. Embiid does that. LeBron does that. Um, some, obviously, James Harden has a long history of that. Like, there's certain guys who are just very good at drawing fouls. And that's, you've got to be more, dis- it's easy for us to sit here and say, this. you just have to be more disciplined against them. But at the end of the day, they're going to get to the line. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on on flagrants, but I think you might be on to something, Kurt, where I think, you know, as we move on, it may not necessarily need to be a statement or, need, you know, need like a real adjustment. Oh. I think it kind of figure it itself out from the league's perspective. No. I mean, people are going to complain about the officials, but people are always going to complain about the officials. So I'm curious, though, because, you know, in Kurt's corner, you want to talk about some of the awards. We saw some that yeah. were pretty obvious. You know, we knew Paul yeah. Pablo Bencaro was going to win Rookie of the Year. That was not a surprise. <laughs> we know Lori yeah. Markman going to win Most Improved Player. That was pretty, you know, straight on. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, sixth man. I'd be, I'd be curious, you know, what, what were some of the awards that stood out to you? Um, the only one I was really curious about was Defensive Player of the Year and how other people approach this. Um, I had, for the record, Jaron Jackson Jr., number one. He goes on to win it. Um, Brooke Lopez, two. And then I had Draymond Green, third, on my ballot. Um, there's other guys who could have gone there, but Draymond is bad as is bad for them. Like as mediocre as the Warriors defense was, I think you, if you watched them, you saw how important Draymond was. And I think that's been really evident in the postseason. Like he's still an elite defensive player. Um, but I thought that I, that was the one where I didn't know what the outcome would be because it was a more philosophical debate of 
Jaron Jackson Jr. has been great, but has he played enough games? But uh, it went to Jaron. So did any of them stand out to you? Did anything catch you off guard? No, you know, we were, I mean, you and I talked about maybe like, what does the clutch award mean? You know, like, you yeah. know, so, but it makes sense that I think one's having to find that, you know, it goes to Aaron Fox, yeah. right? So, but I mean, that was a, like a weird, you and I were like, well, what does that, yeah yeah i think i think it's like we said i think there'll be some real debates about that in the future but yeah but i mean so that's so that one was kind of interesting to me but yeah the the other ones were all pretty straightforward i i thought yeah i don't i wasn't really taken aback the mvp is coming i'm you know that when they whenever they announce it um i'm what i'm most curious i think Embiid's going to win it what i'm most curious about is how close those top three are, like how, how many people voted for each and, and what order it was in. Um, I, I'm wondering if him, I'm wondering if the consensus settled on Embiid and he's going to win by more than we expect. I'm, I'm team Jokic on this one. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it lands. It's, I, it, you know, last year was so incredibly close between the three of them. We'll see if it does that again. I, that's, that's kind of one of the ones I'm curious about. And then, there's always a fight over all NBA and those stuff because yeah, that, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's going to be interesting. Okay. So now let's, let's, let's go to the, the Mad Libs segment. We always like to end our, um, the, our conversation with something that our producer, Dan kind of concocts in, you know, in his chamber. I don't know. He yeah. comes up with these ideas, these questions. So this one is if you had an adventure buddy, which, you know, I think can be loosely described as if you were to go on a quest Something like Lord of the Rings or like, you know, The Hobbit. I think it's one of those yeah. type of like you travel all of old earth, middle earth or whatever, whichever mm-hmm. earth you're on. And then you have like a companion that helps you solve things, riddles, crimes. Like, I yeah. have the, the hero's journey. What would be your animal companion, Kurt? I, it's, if I can have a fictional one, I'll take Baloo from um, oh, wow, yeah. go to Disney and just like – would he be functional? I mean, I suppose he'd help with some stuff, but I would have fun hanging out with Blue. Blue would just be like hanging out with the with fun time guy. I mean, I, in a practical sense, maybe I'd like a chimpanzee can fight and is more human like and can probably help on some things. Plus, you know, I'd never have lice on me, which would be great. But I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, but I, if if I can pick a fictional character, I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to take Blue. What about you? What would be your uh, question? Yeah, like, I don't really know what quest I'm going on, but I feel like it'd be pretty dangerous. You know, I feel like it's not, like <laughs> the underlying premise of a quest. So I feel like I feel like there'd be a lot of danger. So I'm going to bring in one of the the world's most like dangerous animals because like if I'm rolling with a hippo, nothing's going to mess with me. Hippos. I <laughs> understand how crazy hippos are, Kurt. Like you oh. understand like like how fast they are. I, I've I've seen the documentaries. Like they they can cover a lot of ground really short time period of time, and they're kind of nasty. No, no, they're like super nasty. Yeah, I mean they, they can like it's a you know, unbelievable jaw strength. If you're looking at the specs, like the trading card of a hippo, you know, like unbelievable jaw strength. You know, like one of the world's most dangerous animals, and not only dangerous in the water, can swim super fast, but can run like 30, 40 miles per hour, something crazy. And like they're huge, they're massive, and their skin is like basically like a tank. So for me, I feel like I would go, I would, I would bring a hippo with me because then I'd be good, you know, be semi-aquatic, you know, like what if the quest has some like island water sea component? And then what if it has some like, you know, on land component? I'm good. You know, I feel like, I feel like with the hippo and 
if I get a really big hippo, if we want to go into like the mythical element of like imaginary animals, um, like dragon territory and such, phoenix territory, I could ride this hippo as well, so I wouldn't have to. Oh walk. yeah, there you go. You know, I, so I, I would it'd be like a boat, and it'd be like a like a like a steed. So I feel like this would be. I feel like the hippo would be the one. Wow, that's a great call. I mean, so yeah. See, look at it. Yeah, we just got confirmed. Hippos can reach up to thirty miles per hour. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, I, I could go through like you know, like suburban neighborhoods on my hippo and be good. Like you know, there's no there's no. <laughs> you you. You're ready for The Last of Us, man. You're just going <laughs> to run through all of them. Oh, man. Kurt, I can't wait to, to talk to you again because you know what that means. We'll be into the second round, second round. and it's going to be absolutely bad. This first round has me shook. You know, the people have come to play in the playoffs. Remember, when we, th- remember when we thought the East was going to be the normal one and we knew what was going to happen? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's why I love playing basketball. They have to play the games. They have to play the games. Kurt, I'll see you next week. Looking forward to it. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.